0: Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more, ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more, got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried the Burnout Podcast, with Kate Donovan. Hello, Fried fans, and welcome to season four of Fried the Burnout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Donovan, and my mission with FRIED is to hashtag end culture. On this pod, we end burnout culture by sharing stories of people who have been through it all, sharing expert tips from the best in the burnout field, sharing hashtag straight from Kate episodes with my own expertise and some fun research now that I'm a student again, plus sharing actionable steps to help you end burnout starting today. If you're feeling burnt out right now and you need personalized guidance, you can book a free Breakthrough Burnout Call with me. You'll find the link bit.ly backslash call Kate in the show notes. Also, if you love Fried and want to be part of our community, we'd love to have you. Just head over to Facebook and type in Fried the Burnout Podcast Discussion and click to join our group. It's a place for continued healing, deeper conversations, and connections with people who just get it. And now, for this week's episode. Hello, Fried fans. We are back and we are getting into it today. I don't even know how many stories today's guest has to share about burnout. I think we could probably do three or four separate episodes, but we're going to stick to one for now. We're going to stick to one and see how it goes. Today, I'm talking to Lopa Vandermersch, who is many things, an Ayurvedic practitioner, a mother of two, a sustainability advocate, a TEDx speaker, a recovering cult member. This is the thing that made my sort of light bulb go off when I, when I got the pitch for this. Her adventures have taken her around the world in search of health, spiritual fulfillment, and deep energy. Two years ago, she added a new chapter to her life story, founder and CEO of Rasa, the Adaptogenic Coffee Alternatives, revolutionizing people's relationship to their energy. Lopa, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, it's wonderful to be here. I'm so excited to hear
0: whichever story Is at the forefront today, because I know you were saying before we get started, you were like, "Um, but which, which burnout? Because there's, (laughs) I know the the burnout.
1: Me and the burnout are good old friends, so. The toxic ex, I just can't stop sleeping Uh. with.
0: (laughs) And there's so many people in the audience that just went, "Uh uh-huh, yep, okay. (laughs) So whichever story you would like to tell, I'm going to step back and give you the stage and let you tell it. Um, Please take the time that you want, need, feel.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, as as you're noting, I do have quite a relationship to burnout. I have burned myself out. Um, I would say three major times and one of those times though like it's a big smear of burnout over years and it you know like it wasn't like oh that was that two-month period but it was like "Mm, I think that was pretty much the last four years um (laughs) (laughs) and teetering in some space, sometimes getting just enough buffer to kind of feel like it was a little bit balanced and then sometimes going below into that depletion stage. But it was like the baseline was this relationship of of burnout. And I share that just because um, I think so many of us sort of it's easy to want to look at an event or you know a period and say okay this is when it started this is when it ended and I, my experience with it personally is that it can be much more of a of a spectrum it's not an on off switch it's a it's an unfolding relationship to yeah our energy. I see things through the lens of energy quite a bit myself. Um, and that energy, uh, being, you know, when it's at a certain level of depletion and brittleness and exhaustion and exasperation and all of that, that's sort of what I, I characterize as, as a quality of burnout. And I've had some that came with, uh, a lot of trauma with it. And that's, I think its own kind of characterization of burnout. Um, And that's some that is just, you know, I've been working too hard and being a mom and just exhausted and not sleeping well and all of that. Um, And sometimes those go together too. You've got, you've got the healing from the, complex post-traumatic stress disorder and that is going on with all the rest of the stuff that would burn you out anyway and then you're like how the fuck am I supposed to do all of this like I'm trying to heal my nervous system which was absolutely freaking out and also do be this incredibly functional person and I think that that's Um, I would say that modern society itself is a, just a burnout system. It just is made to kind of churn and burn humans. Um, And then you add trauma on top of that. And it's like, like, how how are we supposed to do this y'all? So, so much empathy for all of us, whether your burnout is coming with trauma or without, I mean, it's just, it's, it's too much. I, I, uh, if you were to ask me like my one word to, to describe society, it would be inhumane um, because yeah. uh, it's just, it is too much, but uh, to go into more specifics, you know, the, the, I would say a, a big part of my burnout smear was that combination of a lifestyle that would have burned out anyone and um, being not fully healed from uh, both complex PTSD and, Uh, postpartum mental health issues that arose in that environment. Um, And man, it was a doozy, just all of that at at once. And I would say like my relationship to, I don't really know where to put it. There was, there were certain times that were a little bit easier and certain times that were a lot harder, but there was probably a four-year period where I was like, wow, I was white knuckling the entire time. (laughs) Um, and there was both attachment trauma and, um, and cult trauma, um, and family fallout trauma and having a baby trauma. And I had a uh, traumatic cesarean emergency birth, which just didn't quite go how I wanted on a number of levels and uh, was, yeah, its own traumatic experience. And so there's just these many different layers of that. And, um, you know, if I were to give advice to anyone, I, I did not quite account for the hits to my nervous system. You know, I didn't take the time to be like, oh my God, like this like if you sort of zoom out of your own self and look at there's this animal body that just needs to feel fucking safe, you know, and just needs to have this sense that the base level of survival and security is handled. Um, And mine was threatened on so many levels, the sense of self level and relationship to God within the cult context, the physical level with, I also, sorry, throw in there an emergency back surgery while I was pregnant because I had a, um, there was this one year period that was just a, an incredible doozy. <clears throat> um, and, uh, I remember sitting with a therapist and I was going to do EMDR. I was looking at EMDR to help to support me for, through that. And, uh, she didn't actually want to do that work. Cause she was like, you, we need to get everything in your life down a few notches before we kick up any dust around healing, Um, and get some of the imbalances from the postpartum stuff more handled so that that's not contributing. It's just kind of a wild card hormonally and otherwise. Um, and, uh, but she reflected to me, she was like, your central nervous system has taken a big hit and you need to just let yourself settle. And I was sort of just like, I keep going, right. You know, I just keep charging and I want to do this business and I want to do all these things. and that." Uh, I probably hurt myself. You know, I actually look back on that time and think I—I th- I would not be—you know—it's impossible to quantify, but I, I have this sense that I actually took years off of my life um, mm-hmm. by kind of powering through. And I think that our society really values the heroism. Um, Mm -hmm. to like, oh, life came down upon this person and they did it anyway. You know, that's the story we love to hear. And we don't glamorize the, they rested anyway. They asked for support anyway. They, and I think another thing too, is that um, if I were to do things differently, uh, I I didn't ask for support, you know? And I, I, I imagine there's a lot of people who can relate to this. Like when I'm hurt and when I'm not doing well, I'm I'm like the injured animal in the cave. That's like, you know, just trying to get people away. Don't touch me. Don't look at me. Um, And I now see how much the people who love me would have loved to provide some support and would have loved to have known the depth of what was going on. Yeah. What makes you know um, that? Because the times where I, it, it's easier to talk about after the fact, yeah, you course. know, I have found, you know, it's like, oh, now that I'm a little bit out of it, I can tell you a little bit about what I was in. And then I would tell friends that and they'd be like, why didn't you tell me? I, You seemed, you know, you've always, you seem stressed, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, I had no idea what was going on and I would have loved to have taken care of you. I would have loved to, and like fundamentally we're social animals, um, we're, we're wired to be in a tribe, we're wired to be connected to each other, we're wired to communicate and support each other. Um, Is actually a really fascinating, um, part of why Homo sapiens was the species that prevailed over Neanderthals was because of our capacity to communicate Uh, or increased capacity to communicate lent itself to actually wanting to help each other. And so if if a Neanderthal saw another Neanderthal fumbling trying to fish and couldn't do it, but they knew how to do it, they were less likely to say, hey, I can show you. This is what you wanna do, how to catch the fish. Um, And so, and the Homo sapiens would be more inclined to help each other out, which is why we were the species that prevailed. And like, I, you see that in the modern context, like we want to help each other. It's biological, it's built in. And so, and that's where I think community care and community support is so important and so tricky. And these times and in our generally over isolated modern culture anyway, and I think social media to some extent creates this uh, illusion of connection Um, and so we were like, oh, well, I've connected with 40 people online today, but it's not the same as somebody bringing you a home cooked meal. You know, that, you know, that in your bones. And, um, so when we, when we do ask for help, it gives people the opportunity to activate that, that part of themselves and and live from this part. That's so core to who we are. Um, and I robbed a lot of people of that opportunity by (laughs) being the strong one who was just gonna, you know, um, put on a happy face and be actually totally crumbling inside.
0: A lot of people Um, can relate to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and I think some of it is because, because it's our our happy face is more celebrated in our culture and our struggle is less so. And I think to some extent that that's changing. Um, but if you ever want to just remind yourself of how much humans love to help one of your next social posts, just ask for like movie recommendations or, you know, I'm looking for a whatever dentist or whatever. Um, and you'll find that will be one of your more engaged posts. Cause people are like, Oh, I'd love to contribute my knowledge and my expertise yeah. here. I got
0: 63 <laughs> recipes about lentils couple of weeks ago. I was like, exactly. I am in the mood for lentils. What's your favorite way to cook them? Because I have my ideas. I just, I want lentils, but I want something different. I literally got 63 recipes
1: for lentils. Wow. You could, you could start a community lentil <laughs> <Yes>. cookbook. <laughs>
0: Right, <laughs> and there okay, is part okay. of the nervous system. This, when we talk about the sympathetic nervous system and your your nervous system taking hits and you being in a reactive state, we're often talking about going into fight or flight or freeze. Those are the mm. things we discuss. But the thing that you're talking about now is another part of our nervous system that is crucial to how we interact with one another, and it is part of our stress response, and it's called tendon-befriend.
1: Hmm. That the is, vagal.
0: <laughs> yeah it's part of our stress response so we do have this built in not only to our society but to our nervous systems
1: yeah we are literally wired for this
0: literally wired for it
1: yeah and uh, actually for me polyvagal learning about the polyvagal system yeah. was probably the biggest key in me getting out of that deep depletion um, and doing some vagal nerve toning. So there are um, people
0: here who are like the Paliwa. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, so I know so. what you're
0: talking about. However, there's probably 300 people right now that are like, wait, can you spell that? What's happening?
1: Yeah. Do you want to take it? Are you? No, no, you- no.
0: I want, this is your show today.
1: <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, so the, uh, I'll I'll go a little bit from nervous system structure perspective, because I think this is a good way to do it. So we we've had this uh uh what's the word I'm looking for? Overly narrow, incorrect view of the nervous system as having these sort of two modes: it's fight or flight and it's rest and rest and digest. It's the sympathetic nervous system and it's the parasympathetic nervous system. But there is this whole other branch of the nervous system. They were like that. The the people who discovered this apparently were like, okay, this doesn't cover the fact that we also have these other aspects of ourselves. We we want to be social. We want to connect with each other. We want, and those are actually what we'd say are the best parts of what make us human. <clears throat> um, that's, that's us at our best is when we are in that engaged, socially engaged place. And so they discovered that this was, um, this aspect of our nervous system is, is, uh, modulated, I guess, is the word you could use and correct me if you have different perspective on this or a better way to describe it, um, by the vagus nerve, which is one of the largest nerves in the body. Um, maybe the largest, um, not clear if sciatic word.
0: No, it is the longest. Yeah.
1: Okay, gotcha. Um, I might be thinking thickness. The sciatic nerve might be thicker. Um, <laughs> um, well, having had a lot of sciatica, I'm very familiar with both of these nerves. i like <laughs> with both nerves, and I like we know each Good other. Friends. Good friends. Good friends. Yeah, exactly. Friends sometimes, intense enemies. Um, <laughs> and uh, so the polyvagal system is looking at. The poly, so looking at all the different ways that the vagus nerve modulates and regulates or dysregulates our experience based on its health and its tone. Um, and the uh, ventral vagal and the uh rest and digest aspects are considered part of the parasympathetic nervous system still, and then the sympathetic nervous systems that fight, flight, free, freeze or flee. Wait, fight, flight, freeze, or they're fawn the other one. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, that was, uh, I had someone, I had a therapist that at some point was like, you know, I'm just kind of tracking on your vagus nerve. And um, I finally, somebody mentioned polyvagal like years later, I should have looked it up right when she said that. And um, she didn't have much more information. It's a relatively new science. Um, and i talked to a couple of therapists and, and was like, what about vagus nerve? And they're like, Oh yeah, that's, you know, you should check that out. That's good. You know? And, but nobody was like, uh, yeah, let's sit you down and really work with that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I did, uh, it's actually interesting. There was one particular exercise that took my nervous system from like a, when it was at its worst, like a small sound that was startling could send me into a rage quickly. Mm. You know, it was the, the slightest moments of overwhelm would, you know, get really like, I would just not be able to handle it. It was just the whole thing was just way, way, way too vibrating too high. Um, and I started doing this vagal, vagus nerve toning exercise, which is incredibly simple. And, um, within a week, it was down like 80%. It was and and I have been struggling with this with medication, with therapy, with you know journaling and like acupuncture and like all of the different I, I was I had seen probably 10 practitioners being like, what do I do? Um, I was working on my adrenals. I was working on all these different things. I'm you know, taking lots of adaptogenic herbs. Cause that's uh, one of the things that we, um, offer with my business. And so those are helping, but none of it actually really pointed at the core of it until I started actively working with my vagus nerve. <clears throat> um, and so if anybody's listening and would like to know a super simple exercise, I'll do it here on video, but I can also talk you through it. It's, it, It takes like 30 to 60 seconds. Um, Ideally, you lie on the floor, um, but you can also do it sitting up. And you just clasp your hands behind your head. And the place that's most natural to clasp them, but it will have your pointers, like just kind of just below your occiput there, in that little soft spot below the ridge. And you keep your head perfectly straight. And then you look your eyes, yep, all the way to the right. And you stay there as far to the right as, as is comfortable until you either sigh yawn or swallow involuntarily. And that'll take, you know, 30 to 60 seconds max. Um, and it gets faster as you do it more often too. I've I've gotten to the point where sometimes I just look over there and suddenly I yawn and it's not going to happen while I'm talking. So, and then you do the same thing. Um, I usually take a moment to recalibrate in the center and then go all the way to the left yawn sigh or swallow and then take a moment to relax you may get dizzy that's actually normal because you're working with your ventricular system <clears throat> um vestibular system not ventricular <laughs> um.
0: I know you, man. Don't worry yeah. about it. So, for those of you who may or may not have uh, sort of understood what was going on in the Facebook group, there is actually a video posted. I have posted a video of actually me doing this exercise, yeah. and I will post it again when this episode comes out. And if I forget to post it again when this episode comes out, just remind me and then I'll do it <laughs> because I do have a video already made so we can post that at any time. This mm-hmm. is something that is, I think, Crucial to a day by day success of getting yourself through a burnout space, even if it's one that I mean, mine was seven or eight years, like you said. You were like, mine was lasted really forever. I kept thinking that I was like sort of okay, and then finding out I wasn't okay again, and going back and forth. And I think it's really common for people to be like, when I say, "Well, okay, tell me the the story," even if it's a client, and people are like, "Well." I feel like it's been since I was, like, born, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Fried fam, I tell you in nearly every episode that step one of your burnout recovery is blood work. And I know that a lot of you avoid it because it's a pain and because your doctor has told you that everything is quote-unquote fine. And they refuse to test all the things that you think you need. What if I told you that you could test what you want, when you want, from your home with just a couple of drops of blood? CyFox Health allows you to do just that. You can buy tests as one-offs or join a membership. Either way, you can test and track your results to help you make decisions about your burnout recovery journey. Get 10% off any membership, subscription, or one time test kit right now. Go to SiphoxHealth.com forward slash fried for your discount. That's S I P H O X health.com forward slash fried.
1: since I was roughly zero um... I was like
0: negative age (laughs) So, but that was a good description and this is something that we don't talk about directly on the podcast really frequently but I'm glad that you brought it up and there is another podcast that I love um, that does talk only about polyvagal theory. It's in his entire Mm -hmm. podcast. So I will also link to that in the show notes so that you guys have a resource to dig into. Should you be like, um, why aren't we talking about this? Like that we are talking about this. It's absolutely available. Um, and there is a really great resource.
1: So I'll send it out. Excellent. Yeah. I want to check that out myself. (laughs) I have to remember
0: the name of it. I know his name is Justin and he's a massage therapist. I just don't remember the name of the podcast right now.
1: Yeah. Um, and that exercise, I think I probably did like eight to 10 times a day for that first week. And, and then it would just be anytime my nervous system started to get triggered. I'd be like, I'm going to do the thing, you know, even if that meant my kids were screaming and I was like, I'm about to lose it. And I'm going to go outside and I'm going to lie on the grass and get a moment of silence and do this. And, um, yeah, it really, it's really helped profoundly. And now it's something I do, you know, before I go to bed to help me fall asleep. Um, Various points during the day, just as a little re-regulation, um, and just sort of on an as-needed basis. But it was it it really it was shocking how much it had it impacted me at a time where I was really um, I'm pretty at rock bottom.
0: Yeah. So something yeah. that you said in the beginning, which is another thing that I think that a lot of people don't know that there's a difference between this and another thing. Um, so you said complex PTSD
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and people don't uh, don't not everyone knows that there's a difference between PTSD itself and complex PTSD. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about that a little bit too? Because I'm sure that there are people out there that have not been properly yet diagnosed that will hear this part and be like, Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. So, uh, as I understand it, PTSD is often from a singular Event, You know, you get in a car accident, um, it can be wars and things like that, you know, so it's a more isolated event. Uh, complex PTSD is, is the result of trauma that happens. And sometimes it can be micro traumas, it can be, you know, a whole spectrum of traumas. It's not like this, oh, I can point to this one violent thing that happened. I was raped, I was attacked, I was whatever. Um, It's more this, uh, it it gets into the wiring of your nervous system because it happens over such a consistent period of time. Um, It might not be consistent in terms of regular, but it happens over over a period of time. Um, And so it causes this overarching alertness in your nervous system. It's kind of always like bracing for when is that thing going to happen again? So for me, the cult um, we were there for a year and a half and it was very up and down, you know, sometimes you were on the top of the world and, you know, and then sometimes you were absolutely on the bottom and you never quite knew when it was going to happen. Um, like when you were going to get attacked again in some way, shape or form <clears throat> and, uh, abusive relationships also can be, uh, actually in cult in the cult academia world, they call abusive relationships, a cult of two. Mm. Um, so if you are, or have been in an abusive relationship, the cult, uh, information, um, and the pool of, of knowledge that's out there can be really helpful in helping to understand some of what you went through. Um, and those are, are contexts where you're, you're going to have complex PTSD attachment wounding, um, can also have that can be layered into attachment wounding as well. Um, so that would be childhood, uh, parts where the, the, attachment mechanism of your system which is like that very base sense of self-safety in relation to the people that you are supposed to be able to rely on most which is your parents um, when we get older it becomes our partners um, and so uh, attachment injuries can happen in that context and trauma can cause those kinds of um, things where you just don't feel safe in the world because you didn't, weren't able to rely on because we are wired to rely on each other like we were talking about um, And, uh, yeah. And the way that it can manifest also is, can be more complex. (laughs) Um, hence the name, the way complex PTSD, it may not be as straightforward as I'm having flashbacks from this event that I had it could be um I, I was listening to and I may not be able to describe this as well because my brain knowledge is not quite as good um as the person who relayed this to me, but basically the amygdala, which is the fear part of your brain, kind of it slices up the information and kind of spreads it out so that you're constantly it's constantly scanning for anything that looks even remotely like something that hurt you in the past to keep you safe. And so there might be a sound that happens in a certain pitch and you freak out and you have no idea. We're no, like, okay, that was just a sound, I don't get it. Or a color or, you know, like all these things that your amygdala could be scanning for. And that is that process is increasingly, it's amplified because you have so many different types of memories. Um, you could have been attacked by a partner or cult leader or whatever. At a moment where you are also smelling some food and now you have some weird aversion to that food, even though you don't even know, you don't, you don't even remember like, Oh yeah, she was yelling at me. And then this food was being served. Um, so it becomes, it can be very hard to pin down. And I would say also, uh, my experience of it is it also looked a lot like burnout. And then it also looked like a lot, like a lot of nervous system dysregulation and just not being able to handle what I would consider normal things that my system used to be able to handle. Yeah. Um, Do you
0: think that they're I, different? Complex PTSD and burnout?
1: Uh, I think that there there's probably there's a Venn diagram of overlap is okay. what I would suggest. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think that they're they're different, but I think that sometimes they are overlapping and sometimes they are feeding each other. Yeah, and then as they feed each other, it could potentially become less and less overlapping in that context.
0: More of a circle that has lines because they're they're fully crossed. <laughs> yeah.
1: More of a circle that's like.
0: <laughs> so as you speak. There's like two main senses that I feel like. One of them is like, I've been through all this shit. So I've learned all this other shit and I'm helping myself, but I'm still a person who's been through all this shit. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that sounds like you've done a lot of learning. You've figured out a lot of stuff. You've found exercises and ways to help yourself to stay in a more sort of natural space do you feel like staying within the nervous system that feels comfortable to you and staying away from burnout is something that you have to sort of focus on, on, on the regular? Mm. Or is it something that you feel like, oh, I'm past that now. And I don't really have to think about it much anymore. And I will say for personally in my life, I'm about three years, like out of the point where I was jumping at every sound and like falling asleep after working for two hours and just sort of like really off. Mm. And I, I don't feel like I can completely let go of paying attention to it because I think it would be really easy for me to slip back down. I'm not afraid of it right now because I have enough tools to sort of catch myself, Mm -hmm. but it, I, I, there's an awareness that must exist for me.
1: Yeah, that is actually, that brought up a really interesting thought Mm -hmm. when you were saying that, that I, I wonder if there is some similarity in neurological pathways for burnout as with addiction. There are in the sense, there are, okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. yeah, because there is a it's like part of our recovery nervous normalizes that mm-hmm. um, and is like, oh, you know, it, uh, we're kind of supposed to feel this terrible, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, for a while, I just was like, maybe this is who I am now. Like maybe I've right. just changed, and I kind of suck um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and not being not being super gentle with myself in those particular moments, but, you know, trying to also be objective and just be like, Oh, like, is this okay? I guess this is post-parenting, you know, now I'm just, you know, um, and I will say it, it did change. Um, I, I, that was not the person I actually was. Um, and it was an important part of changing out of that person, um, to actually notice how much I was that person, you know, yeah. Um, like I normalized, was like, Oh, maybe this is just like, sorry, I just get really overwhelmed sometimes. And that's just what it is. And, you know, and, and more, more and more getting help and getting perspective and realizing like, that's not how I used to be. It's not how I want to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say I do have to keep some attentiveness on it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, in the last several months, I have, I've, I've hit a new place of what feels like resilience in my system. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of feels like I got out of a recovery phase and into a, it's relatively stabilized and mm-hmm. I can stressful events don't have that same, like, oh my God, my diaphragm is going to merge with my lungs kind of feeling, <laughs> um, And, uh, you know, it still happens a little bit, but I, you know, when I, when it happens now, I'm reminded of that intense burnout period where I'm like, wow, that was my daily experience. That was my moment to moment experience. And it was rare to come out of that. Now it's rare to go into it. Yes. Um, and everybody's going to have a different physical manifestation, but that's one of the, a, a really valuable part of polyvagal work for me has been, um, just this, uh, experience of the sensations of the viscera, like yeah. just really being with the sensations in your body and being like, okay, like it's moving down into my belly. And wow, well, now I feel a lot of grief in my solar plexus and sit with that for five minutes. And then, Oh, yeah. it moved. And now it's going up into the throat and all of those things just gave me a lot more familiarity of what my, what my system does. Yes. How it responds to life. And so then I can be like, Oh, I've been pretty sympathetic all day. You know, I should do something to bring myself back or, you know, wow, I've been kind of sympathetic all week or, you know, or whatever. And so you start to have these, this lens of perception of how to care for yourself and how to care for your nervous system fundamentally.
0: I think this Um, is super important because this is something that I see with uh, burnout consistently. A lot of people that I know that burnout have spent a lot of time in their heads Mm-hmm. So part of my job quite often is literally going back to the basics and saying, Yeah, but where do you feel that physically? And yeah. the first few times you ask people, they don't know.
1: Or they'll give you a thought.
0: And, you or know. they'll say, I think, I think yeah. that. And I'm like, that's not what I asked you, right? Yeah. Like we need to go into what's actually happening in your body. And I I will tell people you're not gonna get this right away. Yeah. That's fine. Now that I'm asking these questions or whoever else is asking you these questions, you'll start paying attention differently during the week. And then we'll come back in a couple of weeks and you'll be like, you know what I noticed? This thing happens. And the more you pay attention to it, the more you know. It's much easier to override your system when you're only in your brain because you have these thoughts and you're like, oh, I should stop, I'm tired. And your brain is like, keep going. And you read an Instagram memo that says like, live your best life, don't quit. (laughs) You know, and you're like, I can do it. Like, it's really easy to sort of override your yeah. mental system, it's much more difficult when you have an awareness of your body to override that, that system because your body's right. like, no, bitch.
1: We know where this road goes.
0: <laughs> like not happening. Yeah. So that was important <laughs> for you, too, is, was like figuring that out, how oh, yeah. How it's passing through your body, what's happened, where your emotions live, like even on the, on the good end as well. Like people, when they're like, oh, anxiety feels like this. I'm like, yeah, but what does hope feel like? Yeah. What does love feel like? What does gratitude feel like? What does your intuition when it's ticking the yes box, Mm -hmm. what what does that feel like in your body? Like for me, that's a chest expansion, but for somebody else, it might be a hip release. Like who knows, but you need to know those things that's how I make most of my decisions. Who's going to be on the podcast, who, who I'm, who I'm going to, in, like when people yeah. do calls with me to become a client, if I don't feel that feeling in my chest, mm-hmm. I don't invite them to be a client. I will right. recommend somebody that I think will be a better fit because I have to feel that
1: thing. Yeah. You know, I so appreciate that too. Cause I was noticing that I, I hadn't, been become conscious of it and just in the last week i realized that i make i make hiring decisions based yeah. on that feeling right um, what's the feeling family. for you uh for me it's sort of this uh op- like this visceral openness from mm-hmm. um it just it it's hard to describe it feels like an internal yes and it feels cool. pretty bodily openness and a little bit elevated my shoulders want to go but you see yeah, you can see yeah. Me. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um yeah yeah and there's like a little bit of titillation to it it's almost mm-hmm. like a you know sort of falling in love kind of feeling but you know professional obviously <laughs>
0: <laughs> all of your employees are like oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: <exactly>. yeah <clears throat>
0: So it's been a friggin' journey.
1: Yeah, it is a journey. It It is ongoing. I would say, especially also because of being a founder and being an entrepreneur yes. too, I think I have to be a little extra vigilant and also being a parent. Yeah. Um, I would say these are like some of the like most demanding, I mean, there's, there's so many demanding roles in our culture, but I think that these are two that are sort of like, you don't know until you've done it how full on it can be. Yeah. Um and there's just sort of these inherent expectations of a, of those roles societally. Um and uh so I have to be a little bit extra vigilant of like yeah. I could really go into the societal trance of you just do it all, yeah. you just, you know, keep going, you just the house should be perfect and you should always be in shape and have a great meal on the table and you know, be ready to have sex at any moment.
0: Um, (laughs) And feel super sexy while you do it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I think just the, the standards that, I mean, I was focusing on these sort of two societal roles, but it's across the board in society. Like the, the standards are just ludicrous you know like oh yeah. you're supposed to maintain 100 relationships and also like take care of your neighbors and take care of your body and meditate and and be financially um,
0: successful and with yeah. your financial success you're supposed to help your community and while you help your community you're supposed to volunteer your time at the, 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 the and- yeah
1: yeah and uh yeah just don't have any problems okay like you mostly can't. don't
0: have any problems
1: yeah don't have any problems and don't rest we don't have time for that
0: yeah and don't be oh. a burden
1: yeah yeah exactly and i think that the more that we can be honest about our vulnerable states and about the burnout that we're experiencing. I mean, that's the thing too, is just so many people that I then shared about my experiences after the fact were like, well, I know exactly what you're talking about. Or yeah. I know my own version of that. And, yeah. and then we'd be able to connect on that level. And then it's like, man, like we, we could all be just showing up as fried as we are. <laughs> um, and yeah. I wonder what would happen to culture, you know, at that point. Yeah. Um, so the we, hashtag
0: for fried is end burnout culture. Yeah. And to me, we, there's a lot of talk about the systemic things that need to change and they do need to change. And there are people that are working on organizational psychology and organizational leadership and all this kind of stuff to make Mm -hmm. these changes. But in the meantime, we're still participating in the systems and systems are made up of people. And we've created this ideal that like the system needs to change. It's not my fault. I agree. I agree totally not your fault. However, the system only continues because you're in it. If we all quit the system, the system doesn't exist anymore. So to me, ending burnout culture is one by one, getting people to say like, I'm not doing it this way anymore. I'm not yeah. going to follow those societal expectations. I'm not going to choose a 40 hour work week just because that's what you're supposed to do. I'm not going to have two kids in a picket fence and a dog. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to stay with this husband who makes me miserable. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Um, and so I think that that's, it's important to sort of know that there's a systemic issue and also know that not participating in it mm-hmm. is a choice we can make.
1: Mm. Yeah. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. I I think it is really easy in our culture to feel like a victim to the systems that we are oppressed by. And that is really real. And it's also you get to choose the scope of your engagement. Um, And we sometimes it's really hard to actually see all the ways we're participating.
0: A hundred percent.
1: Yeah. We're like, but it's just a given. It's just that I have to post on social every day. You know, I have to, you know, show up in these ways. I have to, have to, have to, and you know, I, one of the things that I really try and work with in my own language and just to remind myself of that choice is changing have to's to get twos. And if I'm yeah. not like, oh, that's a get to, then I'm like, or, or I I'm choosing anything? to, you know, yeah. I, I'm yeah. choosing to take care of my kids, even though I don't actually want to tonight, <laughs> but you know, I'm choosing to, you know, be present with them. Um, and it helps me to orient myself towards actually being a little bit more self-nourished yeah. by the act of, participating in that thing that I'm choosing to do instead of being like, ah, oh, I have to cook the kids dinner. Well, and
0: knowing that if you're doing something and there's a sacrifice involved, because sometimes there is, and that's okay. Like in the world of like create better boundaries, it's like, you should never sacrifice anything. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. sacrifice things sometimes, but when yeah. you say I'm choosing to do this, even though I know it's costly for me, you can then on the flip side, give yourself a little something extra. Mm. Right. You can refuel yourself and you can justify that refueling because you've already admitted to yourself that the thing that you're doing is a sacrifice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And making it conscious in that way instead of that sort of grudging, semi conscious resentment. Yes. um, Then you're like, oh, I. I, I did that thing. I'm going to give something to myself. You know, yes. it just helps make that math a little easier. That self-care math.
0: Exactly. Self-care <laughs> math. I think that's a, that's a great, actually, that's a great episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally.
0: So you kind of go through all these things and you've been working on kind of coming out of it and being mostly, it sounds like what you've been working on is sort of being the person you actually want to be. Mm. Yeah, yeah. In this world, mm-hmm. and it sounds like lately you've been kind of hanging out with that girl a little bit. Yeah. hanging out. Yeah, yeah we're out becoming friends her. again. Yeah. We're, we're we're becoming friends, and that's really good. And in the meantime, you were like, "I'm going to start a food based business because that's not stressful at all."
1: Yeah, yeah. That was. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that to most people. <laughs> like not the path that, uh, file under years taken off my life. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah. It, um, and that actually came from, uh, a bit of attempting to alchemize my own shit and, and turn shit into gold in that, uh, sense. So during that super traumatic year, had my first baby, this falling out with my parents. And then uh, it was around that time that this therapist was like, you, you have taken a hit to your central nervous system. And I I needed to be able to keep going. I was doing a lot of healing work, um, but I still needed to take care of my baby, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I was really motivated to do the healing work too. So there was a certain, like I had, there was a little bit of pick up and go to be able to yeah. do both at the same time, the baby. and and the healing. And, um, I was like, well, I need something to keep me going because my baby is waking me up in the middle of the night and I'm having panic attacks that are waking me up in the middle of the night. And, um, it's just, this is, not working. So I was like, all right, look, drink coffee. Cause that's what moms do, you know, <clears throat> and panic attacks got way worse. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, irritability in the day, anxiety, like it did not help anything except for like, I was able to do things more quickly. Um, and so <laughs> I was like, okay, my nervous system doesn't need this. Um, and I've never been a big coffee person myself anyway, but, uh, just cause it's always been a little too much for my system. Um, but I was like, oh, this is the time you just do coffee, whatever. Uh, and so I started well, first I started looking at all the coffee alternatives out there and was like, this is it really like nobody's done the apotheosis of coffee alternatives. But then I also was looking at this more systemically of like, here's this substance that at least for me and many people that I know is highly physically depending dependency developing. Um, it's very addictive, uh, has a significant amount of drawbacks and diminishing returns and you know can can really stimulate anxiety and and panic attacks. And you know, I I know people who are like, yeah, this it doesn't actually help. And yet people are still addicted. Like, can we do something better culturally? Um and there is a way in which starting this business, like I got this golden thread of inspiration. And I would say it did really Help in certain ways and hurt in others, in terms yeah. of uh how it supported my burnout and my healing process. Um, because on the one hand, it was like this motivation to do something, to give something, to not just be like me and my small little world, but like let's let's take this really shitty situation that I had and I had like an aha out of it and give it to the world in hopes that it can help other people too. <clears throat> um and, uh, the herbs themselves, I would say, um, were remarkable. I mean, I know I'm drinking my own Kool-Aid, but,
0: um, listen, I'm an herbalist and an acupuncturist, so I'm (laughs) okay. You get it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So like, I've been drinking the Kool-Aid since 2002. (laughs) Okay, great, great. Yeah. I've been drinking herb Kool-Aid since about that same time. Yeah. Yeah. Way before they were cool. Um, and, uh, So yeah, the adaptogenic herbs in Rasa, these are herbs that help your body to adapt to stress. And it was sort of this, like, here's what I need in addition to, like, there's a reason these these herbs are starting to trend increasingly because we're all fucking stressed out and burned out. And these herbs are like, the anti-burnout um probably can't legally say that because is, is burnout a disease now i don't know no <laughs> it's
0: a, it's only listed as an occupational hazard so far so
1: so claim away fascinating it's anti-burnout <laughs> take adaptogens um, <laughs> you're a burnout forever <laughs> four easy steps um <laughs> no that's not how it works as you all surely know <laughs> um but i really think that they they helped make it less insane. Yeah. Um and uh and at times it was genuinely <laughs> insane. Um and uh and it, that that golden thread of inspiration and just holding on to something that kept me going in this way was actually a really nice in a way it was a reprieve. I was at the depth of trauma when I started it. And I was like, why am I, I had this awareness. Why am I starting a business right now? This is ridiculous. You have a five month old baby. You're intensely traumatized and healing from all sorts of different things. And yet it was this break actually to create something, to give of myself, to feel self-expressed, to see something, in the world, you know, all of that was actually, I would say very ventral vagal, like that was a ventral vagal experience for me in that time. So I was like, well, I get to do this thing, even though it was also at times incredibly stressful. Um, So food-based businesses
0: are rough.
1: Yeah, You know, yeah, (laughs) they are indeed. Um, So yeah, that was in uh, 2015 that I started it. And then uh, hard launched the business in 2018 it was sort of like yeah. focusing more on healing trauma and having conflict with my co-founder at the time, which didn't help any of the nervous system stuff and, <laughs> um, and figuring out the back end and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But uh, it's been it's been really interesting to see the feedback from people who say that you know, these herbs have changed their lives, have taken the edge off in some way, you know, no product is ever going to heal burnout or the societal systems that make that happen. And so, so prevalent, so endemic. Um, but it can help take the edge off and it can help be one of those upward spiral habits. You know, you start with this thing that, you know, is nourishing you, if you're replacing it with coffee. Um, and you know, if you're listening, I'm, I'm not like, anti-coffee person, but it's a question of looking at it objectively and seeing like, is it really helping you? Um, have you ever quit before? And did you notice the difference? Cause if you're addicted to something just like in the same way as you, you might be in a burnout loop and not even see it. yeah. And then you're like, Oh, wait a second. Actually, I took some rest and all of a sudden I realize I am really fucking tired and wired. Um, <laughs> um, but so yeah, if you do take a break from coffee and just see what can change by introducing these calming, nourishing, grounding, revitalizing, replenishing herbs, um, then, uh, yeah, it can, it can be life-changing. And we, we hear that a lot from our customers, which has been a really nice offering. And it's been a long haul to get from a place of white knuckling stress, teetering on the edge of a burnout that I've been nursing for seven years to, um, to, I think I feel pretty good, and I feel actually pretty relaxed, and I feel like I breathe into, you know, at least like half of my lungs for probably half of the day. That's amazing. Um, and um, whereas, like I'd say, it was like top ten percent, you know, of the lungs for if that, if that, yeah, if
0: that, exactly. if I'm getting to my first rib, some days it's like a good one. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Are you
0: getting past your <laughs>
1: collarbone? Like- Yeah, exactly. And, and so much of that for me has been a learning process around getting support, um, and around, um, support on so many levels. When, when we finally raised money, we were bootstrapped up for, for a long time. And when we finally raised money, it was really interesting how both my husband and I were like, suddenly just feel like everything's kind of okay that's weird. Um, and so there wasn't this financial panic. Food businesses are very capital intensive. And so we were constantly resource constrained, capital constrained, and people constrained because we didn't have enough money to pay all the people. And so it was like, okay. then we started hiring more people. I got, um, a general manager and all, I started, you know, selecting myself out of the tasks that absolutely kill me, like administrative stuff and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, I think that that's a, like that might sound specific to like, oh, you're an entrepreneur. So like that's, but it it's really just looking at your life and seeing the ways there's so much I hadn't questioned as I just need to do this. I need to be the one to do this. I'm going to make it happen at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night or whatever, or in the middle of the night when my baby wakes me up and, you know, I'm just going to work for another hour because I can't fall back asleep. Like I did so much of that because that was just what you do. Right. Um, And so what we need to really look at in our lives is how, like what are those systems we're participating in and taking for granted that that's just what you do and take that bigger stock and say like, yeah, why can't I have the life that I want? Why couldn't I have the support that I need? And there may be really valid reasons that you can't, but could you even take one millimeter of a step in that direction? So like, okay, maybe you can't get childcare, you know, three days a week or something so that you can have more time to yourself, but maybe you could start trading with a friend every other week, you know, where one of you takes the kids for an hour, you have something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so we, we, we get pretty, um, we get blinders on sometimes around the structure of our lives and it's really good to take those opportunities, whatever opportunities you can, to kind of zoom out enough to see it more clearly, um, and see see the ways that we are complicit in our own downfall.
0: And the 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 tricky thing about complex PTSD and burnout both is that the part of your brain that allows you to uh, see perspective is sort of offline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, on a, from a from a neuroscience perspective. That's why I believe that especially when it comes to things like burnout, you need to have a fucking coach because you need somebody to say, actually, you don't need to do that task Yep. because you sometimes you actually can't see it and it's not your fault your brain is offline like you you don't have that capability yeah. at the moment because the part of your brain that's supposed to do that is just not functioning to the level that it's supposed to and so there's there's something about in those situations asking for help whether it's help professional help friends whatever it is yeah. to gain that perspective because you literally can't see it and it's not your fault
1: yeah
0: you know it can be really yeah. hard to to sort of zoom out and do that it's almost impossible um yeah. when that's the the state that you're in
1: and if you're not asking for that kind of help, then you are again, just further entrenching yourself. Exactly. So that's the, really the first thing, like, cause I, I have had f- friends where they were like, yeah, for years, I was really amazed that you continue to do X or didn't do Y. And I'd be like, well, why didn't you say something? And they were like, well, it didn't seem like you were really available to hear. And I didn't want to give unsolicited yeah. advice and all that stuff. And, um, and then I'm just like, wow, like my friends saw my life more yeah. clearly and were like, you need help in these ways. You need, you know, to downshift yeah. in those ways. Like you just assumed that life had to be X, Y, Z way. Yeah. it's um, really
0: so important. Yeah. yeah. So we are all the way through an hour already can you believe that amazing <laughs> it happened really fast yeah but there's so many good things in this episode i can't wait to see what my producer hears and what she pulls out for quotes and things because i know awesome. that it's going to be surprising and and fun for me but Rasa is a really cool company and it's the What you've created is really awesome. And I believe that for both U.S. and Canada-based listeners, there's a discount code for people to try it
1: out. Thank you. Yes, there is. Uh, So if you are in the U.S., go to our website, which is wearerasa.com, and use the code FRIED15 uh, at checkout, and that'll get you 15% off. And then if you're in Canada, we don't ship to Canada currently except for through... Amazon Canada. And so there's a code that you can use there, which is fried 15 RASA. So fried 15 and then R-A-S-A.
0: And all of those things will be in the show notes for you because I know that burnt out brains do not like to remember. Sex.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this is a really good way to, you know, it's not going to fix the whole thing, but if you, everything that you can do that takes the edge off and you have this morning moment where you, have a cup of self-care. That's one of the ways I really, this is my cup of self-care right now. And even if you just take that first sip, like I am nourishing myself, just have that little thought, like I am nourishing myself. And then you can, you know, whatever space out and drink it as you're working or whatever. Well, and Um, I think
0: it's really nice what you said about using that as sort of the spiral up, like when you do one thing and if you do it sort of consistently, at least then you sort of naturally start to do the next thing and naturally start to do the next thing. And this is an easy way. Yeah. To start doing anything, something, anything.
1: Exactly, exactly, and that's the thing: is you just, you just have to do the next easiest thing, Amen. and that, and then celebrate that. And then that'll start, that that dopamine response will start to to encourage you to keep going on that upward spiral. And one of the things, rasa takes about 10 minutes to brew because it's herbs, um, whole herbs. And so that's a really great time to do the vagal nerve toning exercise, to do some moment of self-care. Even if you do two of those minutes taking care of yourself, then you're already starting this nice little, um, okay. I start the rasa brewing while the water's boiling. I tidy up the kitchen or whatever. And then I do the vagal nerve exercise and maybe even stretch and breathe for a couple of minutes. And then slowly you're, you're just filling your gas tank. And that's one of the things I like, um, Aviva Ram that Dr. Aviva Ram yeah. talks about adaptogens help you fill the tank. Mm-hmm. Um, And so often we're 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 pushing on that gas, we're pushing on that gas, but we're not thinking about what's in the tank, and gotta fill that tank.
0: So fried fans, go fill your tanks, please. Yeah. Lopa, thank you. Go do something. (laughs) Yeah, go do something, anything. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here and being willing to talk about everything that you've been through. It's it's been a story. Um, I am so happy to share what you've created and create space for that in the world. I think it's so important. Um, Chinese medicine and adaptogens are real good friends from way back. So that this is something that, that personally makes me happy on that level. Um, so, but thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. And we wish you all the successes and all the calmness and all the peace.
1: Thank you. And the same to your listeners and to you.
0: Thank you. All right, Fried. That wraps up another week of Fried the Burnout podcast. As per usual, everything that you heard in this episode that you need to have access to will be shared in the show notes. And on top of that, should you decide that you are sick of going through this alone, we have a Facebook group and there are plenty of people in there who know what you're going through, who understand it, who have been there and who will support you. So please come hang out with us in there. You can go into Facebook and type in Fried the Burnout podcast discussion group and it will pop up. But again, I'll put that link in the show notes so that you don't have to think. All right. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com